Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everyone. So we're going to be discussing and doing some more meditation today on on ethics. Um, this is a really powerful one for me because uh, I think that I came a long way from having an aversion to to studying ethics. You know, when I lived at at the Tibetan Buddhist centers, I learned quite early on they would, especially the higher lamas, they would do this, they would trick us. <laughs> I, I worked in the media lab and we would make the, the flyers and whatnot for the classes. And they always put on the flyers for the, for the course, or the course titles, the course names, they would put uh, higher teachings. You know, they loved, there's a big hierarchy of teachings. I mean, you know, in Buddhism, the lesser vehicle, the Mahayana, the greater vehicle. So there's all this hierarchy. And then when you get into the teachings, you have the preliminary teachings. You have teachings like the middle teachings, and then you have the high teachings, and then you have the secret teachings. <laughs> and you have the secret, secret teachings, you know, <laughs> that you can't, you know, there's some teachings that unless you had an empowerment, for example, in Tibetan Buddhism, you can't even view, you can't. For one, you can't go there. You can't actually receive a teaching in case, unless you've had a former teaching. So it's a lot of like secret teachings. You think you're going to hear the teaching that they say there's some teachings that you're liberated upon hearing. Very, very powerful teachings. So if the Lama will just say the teachings, there's an opportunity for full liberation just by hearing. There's some teachings, full liberation upon seeing, just by seeing the words, the sadhana, you could reach liberation, right? So these higher teachings, let's say Zogchen, Mahamudra, like pith instructions, these pith instructions. So they would sit and they would teach the high teachings. There's just a few words, like very Zen, and then boom, you could reach liberation, you know? So on the flyer, they would put like Ati Yoga, a very high teaching. You're like, oh. You know, we're going to have a master come and he's going to teach Atta Yoga. This is like just pure ultimate truth, pure nature of mind from a realized being. Incredible. So a lot of times these would be multi-day teachings. So you need to get there, and they start out with the preliminaries, right? <laughs> of course. And then like day two, more preliminaries. <laughs> day three, more preliminaries. <laughs> and you're like, what are we doing here? And so some of the teachers are famous for this. Garchin Rinpoche, who is said to be a living Buddha. No matter what it says on the flyer, <laughs> you're just going to hear a bodhicitta. Just, he's going to teach about compassion the whole time. And everybody knows it. So they laugh. They look at like, oh, 100,000 songs of Milarepa. Ha! We're going to learn about bodhicitta. That's it. He'll, he'll start the sentence like, Milarepa said... Oh, but the weight of the heart is this, you know. So it's like that. So it took me a while to realize that the actual high teaching, 
the highest teaching is actually the ethics. I thought the ethics were a means to an end, that the ethics, you began with the ethics. And then that was the actual preliminary, and then you'd get the higher teachings. But in reality, they weren't being so sneaky. The ethics were the high teachings. When we, when we actually do the higher teachings, let's say the high tantra, like high tantras, so in high Tibetan Buddhism tantras, you have a generation stage and then a completion stage. In a generation stage, you're generating the deity. Like on the back counter, we have Chinarezig on the back there. This is the deity. This is the Buddha of compassion. You can barely see him. But. So if you're doing a sadhana on the Buddha of compassion, you're receiving the blessings from the Buddha of compassion, of Chinarezig. And then if you have an empowerment, then you get to do completion stage. But that, that means that you actually merge with Chenrezig. You merge with the Buddha of Compassion. So you become the Buddha of Compassion. It's a visualization. But not only that, not only do you become the Buddha of Compassion, but you act as if you are the Buddha of Compassion. So everyone that you see is a divine being is a god or a goddess. Everything that you hear is celestial. Everything that you hear is like just beautiful divinity arising. Everything that you see is a pure nectar of a pure land. Everything is just pure essence, pure love. So you act like this. You embody this day to day. There's a great story of Paramahansa Yogananda just in this ecstatic bliss state. And he's walking down a road. I don't know if you've heard this before, but he's there with his brother. And there are, there's kind of a, well, I'll just say it as tactfully as I can. It might gross people out. But <laughs> the essence of it is so awesome. So they're walking on the street. They're in India. And there's bags of rotten rice that that are on the side of the road. And it's so rotten and so bad, his brother was saying that the cows are walking on the other side of the road. <laughs> like, that's how bad it is. And Yogananda is sitting there in just this divine bliss, and he's like, what's wrong? This, it's all God. It's all love. Like, there's no problem. And they say, well, why don't you go over there and eat the rot- rotten rice if it's all good and it's all God? And so he did. And it was, I won't go into details, it was gross, you know, but he didn't see it like that. He saw it as essence. He saw it just as pure essence. So this this morality, this ethics, if we're if we're acting like this, right, we don't need to do a Tinrezig sadhana, we don't need to do have an empowerment to act out in this way where we are already Buddhas. We are the Buddha of compassion already. So this ethics of generosity, patience, 
kindness, you know, no stealing, no killing, no lying, all of these. This is the essence, this is the highest teaching. So we already have it. And so that's kind of the case that I want to make today is seeing ethics as the highest teaching. And what's beautiful about it is that it's something that we could do every single moment of every single day. It's the most powerful teaching. And if we're looking at what we're after, we're looking for this enlightenment. You know, what is enlightenment? There's a lot of different definitions of enlightenment. But ones I like, I like two. Like this just kind of broad definitions of just like, it's a basic okayness that everything's okay as it is. That everything is okay as it is, no matter what. It's this inner sense that, that I'm okay and everything's okay. Another one that I like is that it is this feeling of a, of a deep sense of well-being that permeates through all conditions and all mental states and all moods, no matter if they're deemed negative or not. It's a deep sense of inner well-being that is present through all mental states and conditions, even those that are deemed uncomfortable or negative. So when we practice things as simple as generosity, we could feel, like how does that feel to practice something like that? How does that feel to practice honesty in all situations? And to really give of ourselves in all, in all situations. How does this feel? In practice, we could feel this really deep sense of well-being, right? Very deep sense of well-being right there. It's like we're liberated in the moment of generosity. In the moment of kindness, we're liberated Garchan Rinpoche likes to say, the very moment we liberate a thought, the very moment we practice compassion, we're a Buddha. That's it. We're a Buddha. The very moment that we release a self-cherishing thought, we're a Buddha. So all of these actions, and they state time and time again, that we're really just falling back into our essence moment by moment. And the more that we do so, this it's like a continuum of just back, uh, marinating in our own essence until it becomes, again, more so familiar, because it is, it just becomes our natural state because it is our natural state, right? So with every action, with body, speech, and mind, right, we're falling back into Buddhahood, to Christ consciousness, whatever label you want to put onto it, you know, into the state of... pureness, pure love. And to think of all the things that come from, from ethics, of all the other trainings, we could look through the Eightfold Path, which I was going to maybe do briefly if we had time, but 
the Eightfold Path of right view, right intention, right conduct, right speech, right livelihood, right concentration, right mindfulness. You know, right view. This is the view that I was ultimately the right view in Buddhism is the view that is the view of ultimate truth, which we are Buddhas, everyone's a Buddha. This is the ultimate view, right? So we need we need ethics to see that right view. And we look at right mindfulness. I mean this is amazing. What do you drop into right mindfulness? Why is there why is there right mindfulness and wrong mindfulness? Because right mindfulness has to do with what is moral and what is ethical. What we drop into the space of mindfulness, this is the power of choice. This is, this is the morality. So we're dropping into that. Right? But we drop into mindfulness. And of course, the actual ethics, the, the right speech and the right livelihood, this is the actual moral and ethical section of the Eightfold Path. So it goes without saying. But the concentration, we cannot have any concentration without ethics, without morality. So obvious, right? There's no way we could sit down at the end of the day and try to meditate going throughout our, the whole rest of the day <laughs> not practicing right ethics. So we can't focus And the, the opposite is true, is true. What happens if we, if we are practicing a pureness throughout the day and kindness throughout the day? We automatically fall into openness. We automatically fall into joy. Automatic. The hardest part about meditating is the aversion part. The attachment, the attachment part, well, it's all attachment, attachment to aversion even, right? But the hardest part is sitting with what's uncomfortable. This is the hardest part about meditation. Especially if life is good and we sit down to meditate, you know, we can meditate. But the problem is, is that when life is not good, right, it's very difficult to meditate through those times. It's very difficult. And a a lot of those, we can call it karmas if you want, A lot of those karmas, what's arising, is really self-inflicted, unfortunately. It's it's self-inflicted. It's through through our our actions and things that come up, and we're really really reacting to our own reactions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. We're reacting again to our previous reaction. And it's coming up, and having the ability to sit with it, this this takes... This is a skill. Courage. It takes a ton of courage. It takes a ton of skill to be able to look at it with a non-grasping mind, to actually just be there with it, nurture it, and love it. Right? And we need that skill no matter what because well, none of us are, are perfect Buddhas yet. Yet so much of that can diminish if we just act in a, in a, in a kind way think of so how much of that if we're mindful throughout the day we drop in kindness throughout the day just think of that one thing that you said or did just that one thing that could have already been detected through mindfulness and averted through compassion that's one thing off of your mental plate right 
And I think day by day, gradually, there really becomes nothing, nothing is coming up. Right? This is really the wheel of karma. You know, whatever you drop into the wheel of the river of karma, you know, the current of karma takes it and then it comes back up. Yet if we just keep dropping in joy, happiness, forgiveness, love, kindness, all these things in the river of karma, then all we get when we sit with ourselves arising, all the seeds that we planted in water just arise and you're just, it's just one beautiful moment after the next, right? Drip by drip, short time, many times. You know, one of the instructions for mindfulness in my lineage is short time, many times, drip by drip fills the cup. Right, short time, many times. And this goes also with our actions of love and kindness. Short time, many times. Jip by jip fills the cup. And of course, the cup is already filled, but we're just noticing it, right? What do we notice? What have we become familiar with when the oldest translations of meditation become familiar with? What are we becoming familiar with? If we practice generosity, then we become familiar with generosity. If we practice anger, we get really good at ang- of we get really good at being angry. We can get really good at loving ourselves and others. We can get really good at it, and it feels really good right now doesn't take any secret teaching to keep us on our toes. My teacher, Minga Rinpoche, he lug- he'll always stop. He'll see us getting tired or something. He'll say, you want to know a secret? <laughs> big, big secret. You want to know a secret? That's funny. Everyone perks up. Big, big secret. <laughs> From the Dhammapada, if a person does not harm any living being and does not kill or cause others to kill, that person is a true spiritual practitioner. I just read that just because, you know, what is a true spiritual practitioner? You know, we all know it's not one who just sits on a cushion for 12 hours a day in a cave. Well, there's a great story about this. So there was a, there was a, a monk that left the village to go live in a cave. And the community was very supportive of, of that monk and gave him food and, and whatnot. And then the food stopped. I think, I think Alan told this story when he was here, maybe. But the, the food stopped. Yeah, they, they had a shortage or something, so they couldn't give him his rations for a couple of days. And you know, the next, you know, the village, someone came up from the community and he just started yelling at him, like, what are you doing? I need my food and this and that, you know. So it's not, it's not about sitting on the cushion and meditating. We all know that. Unless you could bring it out and actually transform that into a sense of, of kindness. You know, that a, a true spiritual practitioner is not, not one who's just sitting on the cushion like, oh, I'm doing my meditations. It's one that, that is developing happiness within and, and able to express that, you know, to others. So I thought, 
we do a, a little meditation next. See what we're doing on. Yeah. So you guys get comfortable. your eyes to close if they're not closed already. Turning on the light switch of awareness. It's part of your being that knows you're alive and breathing, that you're here. Connecting to your heart center, whatever that means to you, wherever you feel compassion and kindness arise. Just sending that part of your being a moment of attention. allow yourself to think of a time where you witnessed basic goodness within yourself or others or it could be somewhere else in the world a story you heard where true basic human goodness was on display. And really connect on how that made you feel. basic human goodness. And then holding that basic goodness, that feeling Holding that with you and visualizing your day, just a basic day in your life. And taking yourself through the day with this basic goodness. 
in your heart and in your mind. Be keen on how you treat yourself, this, the inner voice. And as you go throughout your day, how you treat others, how you see and perceive others. This kind, generous heart and mind. And just see how deep you can go with this. Maybe like the Buddha of compassion. Seeing everyone that you see as a Buddha. As a divine being. Looking at your actions, your words, your thoughts.
And then as you get to the end of this, this day, how do you feel? If you sit down to meditate, after this day of kindness, how do you feel in your own being? Imagine falling asleep and even dreaming of goodness. Falling asleep, tranquility and serenity in your mind and in your heart. Dreaming of goodness, kindness. waking up to a new day which with so much peace and so much love in your heart so much clarity in your mind just thinking how can I benefit others how could I benefit myself today by just self-care and kindness waking up with a deep sense of well-being with okayness that permeates every single state of consciousness. No matter what happens, you're unshakable in your sense of peace. You have just listened to a recording from Inside LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.